Welcome, Seekers of Truth, coming to you from the edge of the known universe, better known as the Granite State, home of Betty and Barney Hill. Through the magic of electronic alchemy, a portal to another dimension has opened. You are about to make a metaphysical connection. This is the Fedora Chronicles Network. Walt Schnabel and I, Eric Runder King Fisk, review the latest documentary in the paranormal, The Hunt for the Skinwalker. All coming up next on episode 91 of the Metaphysical Connection. Stay tuned. Do we want to jump right into the Skinwalker Ranch, or do we want to talk about some paranormal news of the week? Yeah, I've got a, I got a couple things I want to um, talk about, or at least one anyway. And I think you probably, you always have a couple of things. Yeah. Um, well, one thing I want to get into right off the bat is that, uh, and, I, and I don't know if you want to mention this or not, but I'm going to do it anyway. Okay. Uh, we, we were we were put into the top three um, podcasts uh, for for uh, metaphysical material um, as of. A couple days ago yep. by uh, Player FM. Yeah, that's awesome. <clears throat> so you know, I was I was pretty pretty happy about that. It means that there's there's people listening and and it's resonating with people. We got some some good reviews from people. Yeah, um, you know that liked what we're doing. So yeah, that's always good to hear. Yeah, uh, now yeah, and I actually I I actually gave a a ride to a new listener Esther um, who is in the Framingham area, and we had a nice long talk about what's going on in the in the realm of the paranormal. Oh, cool. And, and, she uh, listens to the show. Well, she does now. <laughs> oh, she's a new listener. Yeah, I just introduced her to the show, and I, I, it's funny talking to people and explaining to them why there needs to be a sh- another show on the paranormal. I don't think that there's enough shows on the paranormal. I think this is. Uh, this is such an important topic, and um, it also ties in with what we're going to talk about today. Right. But to be a- actual meet a new listener and turn somebody onto the show, and you know, talk about what was, they're was, going through. Was she already um, interested in the paranormal? Yeah, or, she or was. Is this a new realm for her that she's no, she was. She's quite interested in the paranormal and telling her about what I did, and she was like, "Oh, good, like you know, you know, drop some information on me." And I, oh, good. I told cool. her about. Uh, some of the past show topics that we had and she was very interested she had some interesting things that she uh, had to share with me and it's sad because we only had 40 minutes to chat and i would have liked to have talked to her more about what she thought Mm-hmm. of the paranormal and it's too bad it's too bad that i can't record some of these uh conversations but i'm um, i'm afraid the the ride sharing corporation would not appreciate me having no, <laughs> oh, no, i think so you know so anyway a shout out to esther and uh, I, I look well, forward to talking to her again soon welcome to our world esther yeah <laughs> so as as strange and unusual as it may be and speaking um, of speaking of the strange and unusual i'll go ahead yeah. with your news story and i'll i'll i'll, I'll share mine as well well one of the one of the things that um i ran across um from waking times they 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 have a pretty unusual approach to things they're they're not um totally one-sided they they like to sort of present um both sides of an issue i think um but one that i saw that just actually just came out yesterday it was on their website Uh, i got an email i'm on their email list so 
I, I get there <clears throat> things that come out uh, pretty 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 hot off the press. Um, they were talking about the um, and you've probably seen this commercial and it struck me as odd when I first saw it and I couldn't quite figure out what was going on with it. It was it's a Taco Bell commercial where they uh, reference the Illuminati. Have you seen that? How did I know you're going to bring this up? How did you I did. know? How did I, I know? How did, how did you know? Oh, I, I put it on the I put it on the uh, I put the piece on the on the website this morning on the our, on our group site. Did you see it? I, I have not actually seen the, the commercial. We'll play the audio for the uh, for the listeners. Um, but I think that can, can you do that? Oh yeah, of can course you, I could do no. anything. Uh, whether no, or not, I mean, can, I mean legally. Can no, well, no, no, of course not. <laughs> There's a powerful connection between the dollar and Taco Bell because it unlocks a world of twenty decadent menu items from breakfast to late night for just a dollar each. Twenty items for a dollar. Twenty steps on the pyramid. Who's really behind this? Is it the Illuminati or the Bell Illuminati? Experience the power of the dollar at Taco Bell. Okay, of course but, not. But the but the weird thing is, and I, and the first time I saw it, I was like, wow, <laughs> that's strange. Where where is that coming from? You know, and they they referenced uh, the Illuminati and a lot of the symbology connected to it. They 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 call it the um, Bell Bell Illuminati in <laughs> yeah. reference to Taco Bell. Yeah. And they sh- they show sort of an occult ceremony, and they tie in Taco Bell into all that, um, you know. Which it, it's actually kind of funny when yeah. you see it. If you know anything about the Illuminati, it's it's really really pretty amusing. Yeah. Um, and and there's a reason for that, I think. And th- and this that's what this article is that you know that I posted this yeah. morning. It's written by a guy called Buck Rogers, for one thing, which is right. I'm thinking that's might not be his real name, but um, it might be. But he he's the, the larger point over above and beyond the, the Taco Bell commercial is that he, he was refer- referencing all the um, occult symbolism in the Denver airport. Um, you've heard of that. Have you ever been to the Denver airport? I, I know I haven't, but I've heard about it. Yeah, I have. It's 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 a very strange place. And, and uh, I've been there and I was been I was there shortly after it opened. One of the surprising things is, is that they uh, address the fact that the airport is built over uh, an ancient Indian burial ground, which th- that never ends well for everybody. Yeah, we, we know that from um, Poltergeist and movies like that. Um, so, so he is talking about how they ha- now have a, you know, this is this has been pretty well talked about. All these occult symbols in in the Denver airport, and what's going on with this? You know, they have this dark symbolic artwork. They have twenty eight foot murals of um, which which looks like sort of some kind of apocalyptic scenes. They yeah. have gargoyles. Yeah. They um, they have these murals are by a Mexican artist named uh, Leo Tanguma, who says that that was not his intent at all. He says it's misunderstood. Yeah. Um, that he he was really not trying to symbolize that. They have a blue horse um that's referred to as blucifer <laughs> yeah it looks uh, freaky it's it's a yeah it's a demon it looks like a demon horse 
It's like, yeah. like what's that doing? You know, what's <laughs> what's going on here? You know, I have not I have not been there, but it's, it sounds quite odd. I talk to people who have seen it, and they're like, "What's going on with this?" You know. So, so the point of his article is what is going really going on with the Taco Bell commercial and this um, campaign now to 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 make this airport seem less imposing or less ominous or, or dark or however you want to look at it is is it's really a campaign a campaign of kind of um, disinformation in some sense they're they're trying to make all this symbolism seem get get it out there in the public and make it almost you know kind of make fun of all the theories around it and and sort of make it laughable you know but to to diminish the, that point of view yeah that there's something else behind this and and to get that symbolism out there as mainstream so that you know on the theory that if people see enough of it they're really not going to think much about yeah. it yeah you know? yeah um so i thought that was a kind of interesting spin on it you know there's a lot of like amazing stuff there like there are plaques all around apparently um that says that the airport was funded by the new world World Airport Commission, you know, New World yeah, Order. Yeah, Hello. yeah, that'll that'll wake um, you up. But there's no such thing. It's there's if you if you look, this guy apparently looked it up, and there's no there's no such commission. It's made up. It's but you know it refers to pretty pretty clearly refers to the New World Order, and you know some of the thinking is that underneath the airport there's a catacomb of things where the leader going to go when the you know when the whole yeah. when the whole shit house comes down you right. know, supposedly yeah. Um, another thing is the date of the airport, March nineteenth, nineteen ninety four. If you add all the all the numerology up, it comes out to thirty three, um, <laughs> <laughs> which is the Freemason symbol for you know the highest uh, you can at- highest level you can attain supposedly in Freemasonry is is the thirty third level, which indic- you know which is representative of perfection yeah. in their in their symbology anyway. So um, a lot of just kind of kind of weird stuff, you know. I mean. Um, the guy that actually made the horse, yeah, um, he died while he was working on it. That the is gargoyle, creepy. Uh, that was kind of interesting. Um, so you know, a lot of weird, high weirdness going there on there, you know. Um, but but the overall thought is that you know maybe he's this guy's right. Maybe they are trying to. What, I don't know. I don't know what the term would be for that. Even um, make it so obvious yeah. that people don't even really think about it anymore when they see stuff like that. Yeah, just lo- locking those you know? of us who believe in conspiracy theories, or well, I like to call it conspiracy it, facts, or or that there's something more to it than what meets the eye. Yeah. There, I don't know if you noticed, there, there was a picture of the, the woman sitting behind um, Kavanaugh. Yeah. When, during the hearings. I don't, I don't want to get political here, but... Um, oh, we're talking she was about... Doing, yeah. She was doing the... You could see it on her arm. She was doing the Illuminati sign. She was doing the OK, you know, which we see over and over and over again. I don't know whether... Had you seen that? I don't know. Uh, we're talking about the um, Kavanaugh confirmation hearings for the Supreme Court. Um, and yes. if, uh, if you haven't read any of the news about this, don't bother. Don't bother. It's all political posturing. People are upset with the the, the Supreme yeah, Court nomination. Yeah, yeah. And, and I don't even want to get into that. I, oh, no, I, I, no. All I want to do is, is bring out the fact that this woman was sitting there. Um, and she's and making, she, was, she was his aide or something. And I, she's I making know. these hand gestures. Right. You know, all these, people said it was a white power symbol. Well, I've never heard it referenced that way. And it may be, but, it, yeah. but it's also a very clear Illuminati symbol. No, no doubt about it. Oh, I mean, you, see, yeah. you see tons of people. I mean, you see the royal family doing it. You see, yeah, 
you know, it's it's the okay. You know, it's 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 like um, I, I'm not exactly sure what the meaning is behind it, right? Uh, but it's a symbol that we're we're on we're on top of this. You know, we're we're involved in this somehow. You know, yeah, that's what they're really saying. And so, you know, what this guy's point really is is that you know they're making that that symbology almost mainstream. So that people don't, you know, they kind of, I mean, when you laugh at something, you turn it into a joke. Right. It it diminishes the the power of whatever the people are trying to say about it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's why comedy. I thought that was a good point. I thought that was worth noting. That's why comedy is so important. Whereas it's like, if you can actually laugh at something that terrifies you, it's not so terrifying anymore. Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the reasons why Bill Hicks was such an important comedian um, before his untimely death, where he, he would laugh at people who didn't buy into the fact that there was a conspiracy uh, to kill JFK. Mm. And he was sort of like, how, how stupid can you be? I mean, well, the- yeah. And isn't it funny how that's morphed to, into, um, you know, the lone gunman theory was the accepted point of view after the, you know, after the yeah. initial um, investigation and stuff. And, and that's morphed into, you know, I really aren't that many people to believe that anymore. At least I don't think. I mean, some there's some diehards that will stick to that, that, you know, no, there was no other shooters and all that stuff. And, and there's just been such an overwhelming amount of evidence introduced that that's not even really a conspiracy theory anymore, in my opinion. I don't know. What do you think? Is, is it still put in that realm? I guess it is. I am going to talk a little bit about um, what I'm doing on the Fedora Chronicles side is that I'm getting ready for the 55th anniversary of the Kennedy assassination by rereading and reviewing some of the books that I have already read. And I, this week I reread um, Reclaiming Parkland, and it's about an author who looks at Vincent Buglosi's, I want to call him Vincent Bella Lugosi, but that's not his name. <laughs> Vincent Buglosi, who is the guy yeah, who is he, famous. This guy wrote about the uh, Manson. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And he wrote. He's he, a DA, right? He was a district attorney. Yeah, he was a district attorney, and he is this grumpy old man who wrote this book called Reclaiming History. And it's about 4,000 pages of his text, things that he's copied from other people, um, all these documents. And he puts in, he puts it into like a, the bind, uh, like a binder. It's a binder that he used for the mock trial that he was a part of in the UK a couple of years ago. And Vin- Vincent is like your crazy Uncle George. He cannot stand the fact that people do not believe the company line or the Warren Commission's line. And his whole thing is, his whole presence is that the reason why we know the Manlicker Carcano rifle was able to make that those many shots in that short amount of time is because Lee Harvey Oswald was able to make those shots with the Manlicker Carcano in that short amount of time because the Warren report tells us so. Mm, yeah, Th- that's the whole basis of his. The Warren believe that I have a bridge to sell you. <laughs> the Warren report tells us so, and because I'm Vincent Bilagosi, and <laughs> I'm because I'm Vincent Bilagosi, and I put, I, want to, I want to bite your neck because he was That's able to convince a jury of Charlie Manson's 
duplicity in the Tate LaBianca murders, you should believe him because, because well, I don't think he was even totally right about that. I mean, there's a there was a way bigger story to that as well, but and, we won't go into that. And That's he blew it. And and the, and the thing <clears> is, <throat> is that his entire premise, Vincent Boglosi's entire premise of this, is that we know it's true because the Warren report says it's true, and I'm telling you to listen to the Warren report. And the people who don't believe this, and he and Vince and Uncle Vincent goes crazy. <laughs> Attacking people, in particular like Mark Lane, who wrote four of the best books on the topic of the JFK assassination. Um, Slip that man a sedative. Huh? Oh yeah, and the thing is, is that, and the thing is, he likes to tell, he likes to call people goddamn liars. Those people are goddamn liars, and they don't believe in the Warren report. And you're a bad American for not believing the Warren report because believing the Warren report is what good Americans do. You yeah, that's be- that's the way. You know, that's what that's what people slip into when they they start to lose um, their grip on <laughs> on on they they realize on some level their material is is not you know not cogent anymore so they so they they resort to that kind and of it's tactic, sc- it's you know, so. it's scary how these people slip into this mantra of well a lot of people do that don't you, know, you want to be a when good they American? start to lose a grip on what they're what they hang their hat on um that's when they start to regress and, and go into those kinds of tirades and things like that because they, they don't really have a logical argument left anymore so um, so anyway you have anything else for us Eric you uh, get, um, uh, here's did, a did you did you um, did you hear anything about the space the signals coming from space you you're, you're killing me here I right here I have sitting on my desk here. AI, I thought you. I thought you might. AI program detects dozens of quote alien unquote signals from a far off galaxy. Astronomers have detected an astonishing seventy-two new mystery radio bursts from space. We still have no idea what they are. They are mm-hmm. they are hyper fast radio bursts coming from a part of the universe, which is kind of hard to get to. I think they they. I keep reading that it's coming from another galaxy. And the signal strength is off the chart. They can't explain how a lot of people are saying that, well, these must be neutron stars because that's the only thing that could make radio signals that strong and that focused. And a lot of people are saying that it must be a signal pointed at us. Well, how would somebody from a a galaxy billions of miles away or light years away know that we're here? That's the thing that I think that it's like, is it coincidental that this neutron star just happens to be pointed in our direction and is beaming these hyper fast signals in our direction well um, um i was listening to coast to coast the other night because um the the guy that um who made the documentary that we're gonna um, talk about today yeah um was on and and as the in the pre-show they they did a segment on this mike barrett did a, did a pretty pretty good report on it and, and he was saying that what distinguishes this from from other signals that yeah. they've gotten in the past is that it's 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 got a regular pattern to yeah. it yeah it's like once every hour or something. Yep. So it's it's got some kind of it seems to have some kind of methodology behind it. Sure. Rather than just random signals that they've picked up, you know, over the years with SETI. SETI has, you know, this is not a new phenomenon necessarily, no. but this is different because it's more more regular. You know, it's it seems like it has some intelligence behind it. 
So that's what differentiates it from previous things. So I don't know. We'll see. I don't. I don't know exactly what that means, but it means something, I guess. I'm trying. Is to it s- may, maybe SETI is not not wasting its time for yeah. money. No, I'm just I'm just scanning the um I'm just scanning the news story and I'm trying to see how far away is this. I'm trying to figure out here because the thing is is that um how did they how did they even determine that? I, I don't I don't, I don't know enough shift. about astronomy to even venture guess but yeah no apparently it's some is, way of doing it it's uh three billion light years away so the thing is, is that it's it has taken the the radio signal three billion years to reach us so there's really no way that they know that we're here and they're sending these frequencies to us um i don't know i don't know what to tell you i think it's interesting i think it's fascinating that they are um these radio signals that seem to have the methodology to them i guess that's that's your word that's your phrase methodology there's something about them that is piquing our interest and mm. this is a that's, new story that sets them apart from previous things that they've you know that have yeah. come our way for, for various reasons i don't know i don't know i don't know it's hard to say what it is i don't really have any kind of um but you know when you think about it if if there how many billion light years did you say it was it said it says here in this article from astronomy.com three billion light years away okay so if there was if there was a civilization that sent that out so that that means they would have sent that out like three billion years ago exactly right? so that's could be long gone whatever it was that put it out there could be long 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 gone or not yeah. but if there was a civ- anything civilized that far back just to, just imagine what things are out there you know that we don't really even know about so, so the closer the closer the source of the signal is the greater the chance it is that it is aimed directly at us like if it was from a mere hundred light years away and it's beamed right at us then it's obviously it, it's more likely a signal for us the further out you go the odds of it being for us us um I, I think that's kind of a little bit egocentric to think that it's aimed at us or for us i think it's more like it was sent out yeah and we just happen to be the recipient of it I, yeah I, I don't know for sure i'm just saying that that just seems a little um <clears throat> a little little egotistical to think that that some ancient civilization would and if it was three billion years ago they wouldn't even known about us. we weren't even here yeah. right <laughs> Right, so you know that doesn't even really make sense. It's it's a message. It's a message for the the moss and fungi and and and, and single celled organisms that were crawling about right. on the planet right. Earth. So of course, right. or I, whatever it was. Yeah, I think it was still a red hot ball of lava or something at that point. I don't know. I think that Enough about uh, geology, but I I think that it's like if we study the signal more and more, and it's obviously focused directly at us or at our solar system i think that that would be amazing and also kind of keep in mind that um our position in the galaxy is constantly changing we are slowly revolving around the center of of our galaxy so the thing is is that um there's no way there's no way that a signal three billion years ago is focused directly at where we are now you know because we're constantly, you know, we are, we are, I mean, all the stars and um, all the stars and the planets around the stars are constantly moving. So it would be impossible for anybody to figure out, to divine the fact that, that we would be here in this moment of time to receive. So So that's another good point. It has to be, it has to be a broad It's interesting to to think that, A, if it is in fact a symbol of some kind of intelligent life, well, okay. So we know then, then there's other intelligent life out there other than, other than 
than us. And, and even the fact that we're intelligent life is sometimes up for grabs. But um, I don't know. It's it's just kind of interesting to, to contemplate, I guess, that, that there is, you know, somebody just reaching out, I guess, in, in whatever way that they could. Maybe. I don't know. Hard to say. No way to interpret it. So we don't really know what it is other than just a signal. So what else do you have, Eric? You got anything else for us? Or? Well, I think what's really sort of fascinating is the um, civilian space program is just making headways, leaps and bounds. There was yet another SpaceX launch, and it was it had a successful landing, and it was it was exciting to watch. But then after that, it's kind of like, okay, well, that's great. Um, what's for lunch? And it, it's becoming more and more commonplace that um, the civilian space program is just succeeding by leaps and bounds and it's just inevitable that we're going to have you know commuter flights to 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 earth orbit or you know to the moon on a regular basis like what was predicted in 2001 a space odyssey i mean that's i mean i think that i think the the biggest news story about uh space exploration and manned space travel is that it's the non-story it's becoming more commonplace to the point where you know, it, 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 it's on the news and we blink and we miss it. Let's move on to something else. And it was, uh, uh, you know, it's it, it's exciting and sad that we're kind of like we're, we have all these advancements, all these things that are happening. And people are kind of like, uh, you know, what's going on with uh, Kevin Kaepernick and Nike? And are you burning your Nike sneakers? That's, Colin. <laughs> you know, Colin, Colin Kaepernick. Why? What did I call him? Kevin, Kevin, you know, and it was, uh, I, I, it's I, funny as a, as a segue in, um, in, into the story I was talking about. Funny that you mentioned that. Um, he talked about Nike using Colin Kaepernick as, as that kind of a, um, I don't know, what, what would you call that? Uh, a misdirection or, um, some way of using that whole controversy yeah. to, to make it more sort of mainstream, yep. you, know, you know what I mean? So that people would, would obviously their bottom line is buy more buy more nikes yeah you know um i i don't know if i see that connection maybe but um he he was using that anyway it's funny that you that you mentioned that so um i don't know it's interesting to to see you know and it, and it really ties in and with some of the um shows we've done about um how the american psyche is yeah. is, is conditioned for things you know they they have some they even have some advertising posters in there yeah of how they're trying to normalize the abnormal you know oh yeah uh, so he, he's he's saying that um he 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 thinks that the illuminati and occult symbolism is going to become so pervasive um that they are going to all become symbols of com- consumerism yeah and not even have any um you know negative connotation to them and that's what he's saying he's saying that nike just pulled that off sort of with colin kaepernick yeah uh, that's kind of what they're doing um, you, I mean, your first thought is, well, why would they want to use somebody that's so controversial to, you know, to try to sell their product, which is obviously the bottom line. But yeah. um, what they're really doing is that's, that's what they're playing on. They're, you know, they're playing on that controversy. Yeah. So to get maybe just to get people's attention, bottom line, you know, that's that's what advertising seeks to do. So, you know, uh, and, uh, maybe maybe Nike felt like they needed to sort of get into people's heads a little bit. And they did. You know? They did a great job of it because everybody talked about it for about four days. It's uh, you you yeah. you. Could you couldn't swing a, uh, a bag of potatoes without hitting somebody who has an opinion on Colin Kaepernick. And if, I mean, for me, and this is the cynical aspect. Cynical Eric? This is, this is the cynical side of Eric. The thing is, is that I like Colin's... Is there, no, is there another side? Uh, I think, I, I, do I have a pessimistic <laughs> side? Do I have an optimistic side? 
no, I'm I I am I, I'm skeptical and cynical of any corporation that tries to hijack a movement or a message to sell product, and that's what Nike has done. Nike has Eric. That's what they all do. They, I mean, you know, it's just it's sometimes it's a different message of, you know, maybe it's a sweetness and light message, but right. <laughs> that's really what they're all doing. They're all they're all man- all those things are maneuvering us to buy their product. Yeah. And, and they identify what it is, um, you know, like when you watch a commercial and you see somebody that's really odd looking in, in various ways. Right. You know, like me. And you say to yourself, um, how did that guy get on a commercial? You know, why would they want people? consumers identifying their product with that guy um, but then what the real bottom line is is does they just that's what they want you to do they want you to look at the commercial and say whoa that guy's really strange yeah but what you're doing is you're identifying the, with the product you're you're you know it's it's sort of getting into your consciousness that's like a doorway to get into your consciousness to get their product into your into your mind so that when you go into the grocery store or whatever store you're in or whatever where Wherever you're buying something, that's sort of the products yeah. in your mind. You know, it's the first thing you think of. So when you need laundry detergent, you saw a Tide commercial or something with a with a strange looking person using Tide, and the Tide jumps into your mind. You know, that's the way it operates, I guess. You know? It's sort of like it's the opposite of beer commercials, where you have beer commercials where you have average looking guys partying with supermodels, and the underlying message is is that if you drink our beer, you can hang out and party with supermodels too and it was well, just like of course that's a, that's blatant <laughs> you, you know and you don't even like, have to be a genius to figure that out oh, you know? oh really wow holy and and you know um i wear nick i wear nikes i've always worn nikes because they just fit better and they last a little longer i think could be an illusion who knows i have three pairs of nike sneakers right now um i'm not wearing them all right now but the whole notion is is that am i going to then, che- then that would make you an <laughs> exactly. Uh, I'm not going to change my buying habits because of a cr- commercial anymore. But I'll tell you, back in the mid-1990s, I bought an RCA television because Patrick Stewart was their spokesperson for a while. Um, I bought a Geo car because I liked the message of... Mm-hmm. Well, uh, that's, that's what advertising does. I mean, right. you know, even, the, even the, the, the people who went to the extreme of like burning their Nikes, yeah. you know, they're still getting a picture of the Nikes on the TV or whatever it is that's showing that, you know, so, so they're getting, they're getting, even the people who say they're not going to buy them and burn, you know, it's like when right. they burned the Beatles albums, you know, right. you know, secretly those people still went back and listened to the Beatles, you know, that, you know, maybe the real hardcore people didn't, but you know, they, you know, after this all blows over, people, even those people are going to go back and buy their exactly. Nikes, you know, I, I think anyway, you know, just here's here's a small piece of trivia for you, Eric. I, I bought the first pair of Nikes sold on the East Coast. Can you believe that? Yes, I can. I, I went into a um, what would be now be a sneaker store. Right. It was a it was a sporting goods store at the time, and I needed new sneakers. You know, so I'm looking at the different ones, and the guy says, "Wow, we just got these new sneakers in. Just came in today." He said, "This may be the first pair of." Nikes that have been sold in the United, or at least on the East Coast, anyway. Yeah. And he showed them, and I bought them. They were they were very cool. They were very comfortable. And yeah. Uh, you know, I I pretty much bought Nikes. I mean, with a few 
variations here. I even have Nikes now, but yeah. So you know, they fit, yeah. It's like you said, they fit me well. I like the way they look. They feel good. So hey, buy Nikes. You know, if Colin Kaepernick is used for their ads, then okay. I, I mean, I don't Fine. have a problem with what he's doing anyway. But um, I mean, some people do, I guess. But um, so yeah, that's that's how it works. It's 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 pretty insidious, really, when you think about it. But clever, but clever yeah. at the same time. So as long as you're aware of it, I think. Like you, as long as you look and see what they're doing, you know. And you say, okay, well, I, I get what they're doing here, but you know, I, I want that product anyway. So you're as long whole- as you're not buying it just based on some thought pattern that's implanted in your head, yeah, you know, that that's the danger of it. I think so. Here's the, here's the shocking thing that people just don't seem to understand. I don't care. I don't care about what this company is trying to do to entice me to buy their products. The whole mm-hmm. uh, notion of um, you need to buy this product to prove to the world you're not a racist. That's basically the bottom line of what it is that they're trying to say. They're trying to virtue signal to their potential consumers saying, if you are a blank or if you're not a blank, buy this product. Prove to the world that these are your values and your virtues by buying this product because of our ad campaign. There's a great book. I'd like to be able to get the, it just popped in my head. There's a a book called Brandwashing and it's a great book and it and it chronicles how authors not not authors how ad executives try to get in your head get in your thinking and get you to identify with a product you mm-hmm. want to you want to be the kind of person that buys an apple computer you want to be the kind of person that drives a prius that you want to be the kind of person who drinks starbucks coffee it's all about self identifying yourself with a well and identifying with with a group that you perceive um, as being successful yeah or cool or have some connotation as being part of that group so if you use that product it automatically makes you part of that group right and it gives you that you know that leg up on everybody else who, who doesn't drink Starbucks coffee or you know I'm picking on Starbucks but whatever the product is it doesn't matter that's that's really the intention behind it yeah and you know as long as people realize that okay that's what they're doing you know it's a, um, yeah the name of the book is brand washing tricks companies use to manipulate our minds and persuade us to buy by mark lindstorm and it is it's it's a page turner it is it's amazing and it gets into psychology and sociology of modern capitalism and consumerism and uh i'll i'll, I'll post my review when i when i finished writing it um, it's funny in, in this article that i that i posted on the illuminati symbology i, I think you yeah, like this yeah he, he says that the real effect here other than a laugh however yeah is the is the jedi mind trick of stopping <laughs> <laughs> stopping inquiry into the nature of the symbols and and why they are so omnipresent yeah in our, in our cultural and in our culture anyway so that's a good point i think that's really what we're talking about i think yeah. is you know as, as long as you understand what's going on and and why they're doing what they're doing then it sort of takes the power out of it i think you know and if as long as you can make informed decisions about what you want to buy yeah. based on what you actually want or need then okay yeah but it's it's when people get minute there's a lot of people who don't get that and that's probably why we're talking about this today is that you need to think about that when you when you you know watch an ad take any ad and and try to look at what the underlying message is other than you know 
by by some kind of cleaning product. There's there's an underlying message there for you. If, as, it's 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 kind of what is done, you know, and it's with everything. I mean, politicians do the same thing. It's, it's they they throw all these you know flash all these things at you to make you feel a certain way or to think that you line up with this other group of people. And it's it's pretty insidious, actually, is what it is. But as long as you understand it and know what's going on, then you can you can deal with it. You know? That's that's my point, I guess. You know what, Walt? You, yeah. You just reminded me of. Um, Zazzle.com slash the Fedora Chronicles. <laughs> All of our products have one thing in mind, celebrating the spirit of adventure of a bygone era and to renew it for the 21st century. Our clothing and products should inspire everyone to go out and do everything that they've ever wanted to do, explore the unknown, or accomplish something good and incredible. The Fedora Chronicles Network just isn't about podcast reviews and rants, but it's about becoming the hero of your own story. That's Zazzle.com slash Fedora Chronicles. So, wow, a shameless piece of advertising. I just thought that would be the perfect time to put that in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you just shoehorned that right in there. <laughs> you like that? But that's what yeah, they do. I, that's what that. That's and the thing is, is that um, one of the reasons why um, the FCC. So, had, so, what was the message there, Eric? What was the message? What was the underlying message there? I'll tell you what I took away from it. What's you that? Can, you too can be your own hero. That's it. If you if you buy products from Zazzle, most more particularly products from the Fedora Chronicles and or metaphysical, metaphysical connection. connection. But right? that's where you get your metaphysical t-shirts and coffee mugs is from Zazzle.com slash Fedora Chronicles. I, but, but the 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 whole notion of they used to do commercials with with people like Walter Cronkite or, or John Chancellor or whoever you can think of right in the middle of reading the news that, you know, they'd say, oh, and... Um, 3,000 kids died in Vietnam today. And while I'm on the topic, let's talk about Chesterfield cigarettes. Chesterfield cigarettes is the one for me because, you know, it's it's the, the perfect... Let's talk blend. about tourism to Southeast Asia. <laughs> exactly. How, how, how good of a time can you have in Southeast Asia? You know, they, that kind of thing. They used to slip in commercials in while reading the news and people didn't realize that there's a difference between the news and a commercial. Right. George Nori even does that on Coast to Coast. I noticed that. He'll, yeah. He'll slip in a commercial. That, and, and it's usually for... Okay stuff you know it's like health products and things like right. that which is which is good i think but yeah yeah i mean it, it's it's it they, that's what happens you know the stuff gets slipped in there it's the way it is you gotta, you gotta pay the bills you know you so. gotta pay the bill somehow yeah. but oh and speaking of commercials here here is something and i want to talk about this before we get into the meat of the show before we take a break one of the things i'm talking directly to um Mr. Bigelow, who might be listening to this podcast right now. if you, uh, He's a pretty busy guy, Eric. Mr. Bigelow, if you were willing to pay these people a million dollars to NICAP and MUFON to investigate UFO phenomenon, I'll tell you what, Walt and I would also like a million dollars to investigate the paranormal. We'll, <laughs> we'll fly anywhere across the country. All over the, any in the anywhere in the world to investigate the paranormal. Just give us a chance in a million dollars. I'll do it for less. I'm I'm, I'm not big. I'm be greedy, Eric. I, I I think we could split the half million between the two because we need we need that money for travel cost, Walt. Yeah, well, yeah, you have to get your expenses paid for. You know, one of, one of the, um, getting back to what you were talking about before with the um, with space exploration becoming sort of um, an accepted notion. Yeah. 
Um, and it's something that came out of the documentary that I didn't realize was that Bigelow had sold the Skinwalker Ranch. Yeah. And um, which I didn't. We last time we did the, the show that we previous show we did. When we were talking about Bigelow, Ranch, he did still, a show just he still on owned Bigelow. it. Yeah, he yeah. still owned it back yeah. then. I think. Um, but he's he's now putting all his energy into into um, floating motels. Yeah. That are in orbit, you know, which is kind of funny because he made his real money on Earth in in motels, and he had Motel Eight or Six or something. So he had something like things. that, yeah. Um, so that's kind of funny that it's kind of that business um, has kind of morphed into a to a space uh, a space motel. I think it was so a natural evolution. It is, it is. But it's I just thought it was kind of funny that he kind of moved in that direction, you know, toward toward that yeah. kind of thing. So, so anyway, um, you want to take a little break and then we'll yeah, get, let's get let's take a little break. We're going to be talking. Yep, yeah, this week's. Uh, uh, the meat of this week's show is the new documentary Hunt for the Skinwalker. And it is, uh, I, th- I guess it's a uh, documentary companion to the book of the same name. Um, and we're going to talk about that. And uh, It just came out on Tuesday. Yeah. And, September, and September 11th, Walt, oddly enough. Yeah. Walt and I were the first people. I think we're, uh, you know, we're, we're well within the top 10 podcasters who are, who are talking about this. The first to talk about this. Uh, I know that the other paranormal shows have talked about it, but um, uh, we got some exciting stuff. So stay tuned. Uh, did you do so you were actually near it or well here's the funny story yeah, i'm sure you didn't go on it here's here's the funny story is that my dad was offered a job back in uh jesus it was 1989 it was the same year as that horrible earthquake on the west coast he, he was offered a job as a ranch hand on the <laughs> skinwalker ranch no as a matter of fact um cleaning up circuit boards on satellites for ford aerospace <laughs> okay Oh, and, and uh, are, are, are we recording now? We are. Oh, okay. We are. And so he uh, he was offered this great job. It was uh, uh, great money out in California. And it was exciting for me because I've never been out to the, the, the left coast. And he, so he packed up the, our old Chevy van and we drove cross country. And um, and we it was the craziest time of my life where we would cross country and, and we would stop off at a, at a college or university. And I, we would spend time just hanging out at, at the libraries of these these colleges. And um, I, and for whatever reason, dad read something somewhere. I don't remember. He didn't tell me. He read something somewhere about something weird happening along the way. We would just have to go make a little diversion. And uh, so we went down this road and it was, and I, and I, while I was watching this documentary, Hunt for Skinwalker, it, I was having these, like these, like weird flashbacks. Like last night I was thinking back to when, I was dad and I were driving down this weird country road out in the middle of the desert in Utah or Colorado. I didn't, I don't even remember where it was back then. 
All I knew was that I was on the road with my dad and my dad was telling me he read this weird thing about these weird things that were going on out in the middle of the desert. We got there and and uh, we were just walking around and we were just seeing things and dad was telling me, if you see or feel anything weird, let me know. And I'm like, oh, okay, all right. And it, was, it wasn't a big deal. And after we left, we hit the road again and we're driving down the highway and there's this police car that sort of pulled up behind us but was on our um on our on our rear corner and i just thought oh crap because here's another thing about my dad my dad would drive without an inspection sticker or a new Mm -hmm. registration because he was always quote broke unquote um, and the thing is, is that it, we must be getting checked out for our registration or whatever. And so, and then we passed this other police car and this police car pulled up. So now we got two behind us, one on, on our rear right corner and one on our rear left corner. And we're driving along and, and there's this other police car and we're just about to pass him. But then he speeds up and now I have, now we have three police cars, one in a front driver's side corner, driver's side rear passenger rear and then that's called an escort right that's a police escort it's a police escort one by one we're picking up these police cars until there's four of them and then you could hear you must have felt important scared the crap out of me and then next thing you know there was all this these these lights came on like all at once like it was choreographed and they escorted us to the to the side of the road so we had two in front two in back there must have been maybe at least six or eight police officers telling us to get out of the car and just stand along the side of the road. And they went through everything. They pulled everything out of the van. They went through everything. They looked in every box. They looked in my my, my bag. They looked at my dad's stuff. I th- they must have pulled everything out, put it on the side of the highway, looked at everything, and then they helped us put everything back, which I thought was kind of weird. And they took our license and registration. They didn't give it back to us. They didn't give us back our registration. And it was already bogus. It was already phony. And they said, go <laughs> ahead and be on your way. And so we went back. So you didn't have any pot, huh? No, I didn't have anything back then. I was, I was a good kid back then. And so the thing is, I didn't, I mean, it was it was just creepy and weird. Are they looking for drug dealers or whatever? Now, now were these municipal police or, or were they? I mean, that's there's a lot of tribal land there. Were they tribal police? Here's you the know, here, remember? here's the thing that I I specifically remember. They all had like sheriff badges, but the cars had no markings on them. They were all they were dark blue cars. Mine police, I guess. I, I I and to this day, I don't know where they were. Well, so the thing is, is that a couple of years later, dad and I were listening to um, Art Bell and Art Bell. I think Art Bell was doing um, a thing on something that he read the Nevada News because at this, you know, in the 1990, the mid 90s, Art Bell was doing a show out of Nevada. That's why one of the incarnations of a show was called Midnight in the Desert. It was yeah. it was in a out in the desert somewhere. So was this the Skinwalker Ranch where you were? Or? So and then or dad and what? then dad was like, that's where we were. It wasn't called. I don't think it was called the Skinwalker Ranch in 1989, 1990. I don't think it was yeah, called I, the Skinwalker Ranch. I don't know Ranch. when that it received that moniker. Um, 
maybe that's a more recent type of thing. So anyway, why, why don't we talk about um, where, well, what it is, first of all. We, now, we did a show, what, back? Um, it was our fourth show. show. Our show four, number four, I think? Yeah, it was number four, and we were talking oh, about Ryan Skinner's book. I, and I remember we were going to do the show in the Skinwalker Ranch. I bought Ryan Skinner's book. I read it in an afternoon into the evening, and it kept me up at night because the thing is, A, it's a terrifying read. Ryan's book is really well written. I, this show is not about Ryan's book. It's about somebody else's work on the Skinwalker Ranch. But I, I have to interject here because everything that Ryan said in his book about the Skinwalker Walker Ranch has been backed up by other people who've done research into this as well. Ryan's book focuses on the people. I think we're working for NIDS at the time, Big Bigelow's company that was right. investigating the paranormal. By the way, I would still love to work for Bigelow if he's looking to finance people to do things like what you and I are doing. I take the show on the road, as it were. Apparently he's at it. He's still interested in the paranormal, but he's out of any kind of funding situations okay. or anything like that. He's putting all his energy into aerospace kind of thing. So, but anyway, that's another story. But, but, but um, Ryan, so so yeah. why don't we why don't we back up to um, for the people who have not heard our previous show? And we we went into the Skinwalker Ranch, I think, pretty extensively yeah. in that show. So if you're interested, after you hear this show, to go back and listen to that. Um, maybe you can put a link in the in this show page or something yes. to that, so people can go right to that, which would be nice. Um, so, by the way, let's, be, let's, let me let me interject about- here really quick. Here, this is episode ninety one of the Metaphysical Connection. This is episode ninety one. Okay. So, and so we're, we're pretty far off of episode four. So we've we've yeah. come we've covered a lot of territory, right? Between that, but but from what I remember, I think that was a pretty good show. So yeah. although it was one of our earlier ones, I think we yeah. I think we did a good job of covering the material. Sure. Um, so, so the Skinwalker Ranch is, it's in nor- the northeast corner of Utah, yeah. uh, which is a kind of a desert area, mountainous, uh, sort of what you would think of as southwestern, I think. Yeah. You know? But the Skinwalker Ranch is not the totality of it. Um, which um, it is, I think, around 500 acres. So, you know, that's a pretty good chunk of land. It's a lot of land. And it's right next door to an Indian reservation. Right. Uh, I believe the Ute reservation is there. Yep. So um, this is called a ranch. And I guess it's been a a working ranch at at various times. It was, yeah. Um, They had cattle there and things like that. But more recently, it was owned by, well, there was a family that lived there. Yeah. Who um, were raising hybrid cattle, yep. really expensive cattle, and they had a lot of um, very, 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 very strange things happen while they right. were there. Um, so, so what we're talking about today is based on this place referred to now as the Skinwalker Ranch. Yeah. Um, now, this term Skinwalker is a Native American term uh, for an entity that they define as. You know, some kind of a supernatural entity that um, has the ability to shape shift, and um, they have great <laughs> have a great degree of reverence for. It. Yeah. In fact, so much so that they don't really even talk about it, um, because they have the belief that if you reference a skinwalker, it it can, or if you even mention it, it yeah. can it can take you over. It can kind of get into your your psyche, I guess. Or, yeah. Or actually possess you, maybe. Right. I, mean, I guess they go that far even. So it's it's a pretty um, it's a pretty fair, pretty powerful concept for yeah. for the Native American. 
uh, tribes in that area, and they've been dealing with this for a long, long time. This, yep. is, this is not recent. It's come to the forefront recently because of the publicity it's received. Um, but it's not, and it's not just the ranch. This this thing exists in that whole area there. What is it called? The uh, something basin? The Ute, the Ute basin is? Yeah, I'm trying to remember uh, the name. It 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 it's basically the Ute basin. Yes, it's it's called. Um, um, it it has a much longer name, but it's I heard it referred to as the Ute basin. Yeah, um, that's the short short term for it, I guess. Um, so it's not just the ranch that has these occurrences. Um, so the so the, the documentary that just came out the other day, which which we're going to talk about today, um, was made by a guy named Jeremy Corbell. Yeah. Um, with with heavy influence from George Knapp. A lot, yes. Um, who's a very very credible journalist. He's he's yep. also one of the I think the weekend host of Coast to Coast, and he's very good. He's yep. he's 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 in for my money he's as good as George Norrie uh, in in what he does. I I just like his I like his approach. I like yep. the way he he he. Approaches things journalistically. He he reports on things. He doesn't really say this is what you have to believe or this is what you have to believe. He just says this is what I've learned. Right. And um, which I think is a good approach because it lets you make your own. De- it it brings the facts to you and it lets you make your own decisions. Right. And which is which is what I hope to some degree. That's our approach as well. Yeah. Is that we talk about these things and we don't say this is true or this is true or this is not true. Um, this is what we learned, and you can take take it wherever you want to go with it. You know, yeah. you can throw it out with a with a week's garbage, or you can take it and run with it and explore it a lot more. What so that, so yeah. that's his approach, and and I think it's a good one. We've sort of adopted the approach, whereas this is what these people claim happened, and this is right. what this book says. This is what this book says. Whether or not, hey, I, I I think that there's some credibility, but if it's for you to decide if you believe it or not, that's up to you, and that's his approach. That and that was Art Bell's approach as well. Here, let's we're going to present the information. We're going to let our guests talk, say whatever it is that we want to talk. We're not going to play the role of of the the cynic. We're not going to try and debunk what it is that, that they're trying to say. Just say it. Just let let and let because our listeners are pretty smart people and they can determine for themselves whether or not something is true or not. And so all, all we're really doing is trying to, to get things out for people's awareness. So you know, they may maybe things they don't. I mean, there may be people who have not heard about the Skinwalker Ranch. Yeah. The the documentary is based. on on the work a book that George Norrie co-authored uh, not George Norrie George I'm sorry George Knapp co-authored um, about the Skinwalker Ranch um, and the occurrences around it and it's, it, it too is called um, Hunt for the Skinwalker right um, so so the Skinwalker is the concept of the Skinwalker I guess is something we probably should talk a little bit about it's it's actually a supernatural force of some kind right um, and it's really quite unusual in that it seems to have some degree of ability to impact people um, and and figure out sort of ways that it can get to people sort of sort of like a like a trickster kind of quality that the, it's, it, that's a character that the Native Americans talk about it's a character that likes to you know, sort of get into your psyche and play play games with it. One of the things, this, that, yeah. This this force apparently has the ability to do that. Um, where where it comes from or where it you know where where it originates is up for grabs. Nobody really seems to know for sure. 
Um, this one guy, one of the guys, one of the scientists who worked there termed it a precognitive symbiotic consciousness. So it kind of plays on people's, um, maybe, you know, probably plays on your fears, has the ability to sense what will make you afraid and and um, and and is is kind of two steps ahead of everything that's going on there. So when they try to film it or something, it it never really appears. It knows to um, be on the on just out of the frame of the camera, just out of the sight of the exactly, camera's lens. Exactly. Another thing they, about the, they yeah. set up stationary cameras there when they started really doing some serious scientific study there, and and they were never able to get anything because it seemed to know just how to operate. Operate around those, around those stationary cameras, which which is kind of interesting in itself. So it's it's definitely an intelligence of some kind. It's, right. It's not just a random force of nature or something that um, <clears throat> is operating there. And it also did a great job of picking things up and moving things, removing things like like <laughs> like laundry. Like somebody hung out her laundry out to dry, and the next thing you know, it was gone. The next minute, yeah. it was back yeah. on the line exactly the way somebody stacked some wood and the. And the entire wood stack had been tr- moved within 30 minutes, which seemed, yeah. which is a whole cord of wood, which, you know, yeah. if you ever done firewood, you know that that's, that's quite a task. Right. It's, and locks would be missing from gates and then the locks would be back. People would wire the gate shut mm-hmm. and the wire would disappear and then right. reappear, you know, when people, people turn, turn their heads and looked at where the wire used to be. Oh, there it is again. All of these strange things would, it would, it's it, it, the best word word for it would be a poltergeist a, a, right. a playful exactly. ghost exactly yeah it's, um although there is there there is some negativity attached to it as well you know? um the well we probably had to back up a little bit and explain right. that the last family that actually owned this ranch yeah um they were they referred to as both gorman and sherman so i don't know what their actual name is i think one of them was a was a pseudonym um i think their real name might have been sherman and right. they changed it to gorman but they had some really strange things happening the weirdest thing that i thought um really kind of was crazy and could not see how it could possibly have happened as i mentioned earlier they had these these hybrid cattle yeah and you know they had four bulls um that were in a pen now now these bulls are worth you know thousands of dollars a lot of money a lot of money a lot of a lot of coin so you know they they're pretty protective of them. They they keep animals away from them, and you know they they have pretty pretty close watch on them because you're you're talking about a lot of, a lot of money sitting there. So they had seen them in the pen. Or they were in their pen. Everything was fine, and they went off somewhere on the ranch, and they came back. Um, I guess about an hour later, and these bulls are gone, disappeared. Yeah. <laughs> so they're like panic in panic mode. They're like you know wow somebody stole the bulls or where are they you know came to find out that there was a trailer sort of attached to the pen but not really there was not really an opening that they could have gotten from the pen into the trailer yeah um so they're looking around looking around for these bulls and and they open the door to the trailer on the other side which is not connected to the pen um and they're inside this this trailer yeah yeah these are full-grown male you know they're bulls and they're they're not happy (laughs) they're not happy about about being in this trailer but they seem to be sort of they said they seem to be sort of dazed yeah like they had been almost hypnotized or drugged or something um and they went to try to get them get them out of there and they they freaked out they were like woke up sort of and and went crazy and they were they were kicking the sides of the of the trailer and they actually knocked 
knocked out a wooden part to it, and and they finally they knocked finally out a window. Out. They knocked out a window or a door or something in this in this a trailer panel or yeah. something. Yeah, they by kicking it. They they went nuts when they yeah. came back to their full awareness of where they were. They were most unhappy about being in there, and it took them like four hours to get them out. Yeah, to finally get them calmed down enough to. So that, that begs the question, how'd they get in there? <laughs> it was only about an hour between when they had seen them last and when they came back. Yeah. How did they get in there? There was no apparent way that they could have gotten from the pen to the trailer yeah. without some process being done to them to drug them or something yeah. or hypnotize them or something and get them in there. And, and they were just in there. They were just, you know, just sort of dazed or something. Somehow, somehow the, cat, the, the bulls, four bulls were able to go into to a locked trailer. I guess it's a trailer. I don't know what you would call this yeah, it's container, it's metal for, container. For lack, lack of a better word. Lack of it's a better like a, word. It's like a storage container. It's like, it's like, it's like you know, like when you see a tractor trailer truck, the, 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 the trailer part, it's like a quarter of that size. Yeah, yeah, something like that. And it was just, just barely enough room for four, four bulls to get Hardly enough room it, for four bulls. And the thing is, is that the doors were locked and padlocked. How did they get in there? And a lot of people right. would, and, and the thing is, is that there's a, the logical part of your brain is like, oh, it's this has got to be a hoax. How could that? How could that be? How could that happen? And it was just like for somebody who was telling the story, I it, it didn't seem like he was embellishing anything. It was almost like he was like, okay, I'm going to tell you a story. I don't know how it happened. I'm a little embarrassed. No, on the on the documentary, George Knapp tells relates the story. Yeah. Now he's been he's been studying this place for like 20 years. Yeah. So you know he's got a lot of material and a lot of anecdotes and things like that, which he. And, um, you know, he's he's a very credible reporter. He's won numerous awards yeah. for his reporting, um, not just on paranormal stuff, but on, on other things, too. He's a, he, he works for, a, I think, a newspaper in Nevada, as TV well station. as being the coast-to-coast yeah. -coast host. Newspaper or television um, show, yeah. So, you know, this family had all these crazy things happen to them, and they eventually decided to leave the place. Um but what they found was some of the energy. Oh, one other thing about the pen I failed to mention before we move on is that the the, the pen itself for a number of hours after this event was magnetized. Yeah, that's another thing that was kind of like. Heavily magnetized, yeah. which, which is pretty weird. So that indicates to me that there was some kind of electrical charge or something yeah. going. That's generally what um, leads to something being magnetized as some kind of an electrical force yeah. or something. So there's some kind of phenomenon going on here that's either electrical or, you know, that kind of nature to it anyway yeah. that, that have created this. There's no real no real explanation for it. No. There's no, no way to really explain it. It's just one of those things that you just kind of throw your hands up and say, well, okay, how did that happen? You know, and it's, I mean, it's documented. They number of people said they that's what happened. So, you know, yep. these people aren't aren't insane. So they, they had a number, and I, I don't want to steal too much of the, um, you know, of the thunder from the documentary because yeah. I think everybody should see it uh, but but that jumped out at me as something as like you know how do you explain that that's some stuff you can maybe come up with some physical explanations for it but that's pretty hard that's a tough one so that that was one that really um really got my interest uh, so this this family had and in the documentary they talk about a number of yeah. these occurrences on there which uh leads me to believe that why did these people stay there that long you know it would have been like living in a big huge yeah. haunted house or something so they so they eventually did leave and um the odd thing is that they claim that some of that energy went along with them followed they them yeah it followed them. and and that's happened to other people uh, and the term for it is a hitchhiker yeah it, it tends to, to ha you tend to if you have a um, if you're a participant or, or at least a witness anyway of an occurrence of some 
of a paranormal occurrence there in that area. The the residual energy some somehow goes along with you. It's almost like a, a possession almost, right? Which is kind of freaky. And that's true of some of the other um, stories that you see where there was possessions and things like yeah. that. You know, so people that move, it goes along with them. You know, they, yeah. they don't get away from it just by moving out of the house or whatever. So, so that's another element too of it. And, and that's probably part of the North Native American lore is that you know if you if you talk about it or if you mention it, you know, you're going to get it attached to you, and that's not something you want. Apparently. There's a lot of that as well. There's a lot of like you don't want this. You know, there there's a lot of sort of like the creepy element, whereas it's like we really don't want to be talking about this. Mm-hmm. We don't want this. We we don't want this to be. <laughs> We, we, we don't, we know this sounds crazy. We know this sounds nuts. And people are like going to be questioning whether or not the validity of it all. And it was just like, and you have these people who are, they had a lot, they, they had a lot of interviews with a lot of people who had just said, I, I know this sounds crazy. I know this sounds nuts, but this is what really happened. And you have people who have been exposed to strange strange bright lights and they and they see these metallic shapes flying you know rectangles pentagons triangles spheres ovals oval ovoids whatever you call them and it was well, that's the main I, I think that's the main um the ufo part of it and there's a lot more yeah is is what attracted a lot of attention because according to many of the people who were in the documentary they say that you can't live in this area yeah without seeing a ufo you're right. going to see one eventually you know so um, and they're all different kinds, you know, yeah. all different shapes and sizes and types that we've, you know, we've chronicled on other shows. Yeah. Um, you know, the Native Americans apparently have been seeing them for, you know, eons, I guess. Yeah. And uh, so it's it's a weird kind of hodgepodge or melting pot of, of all of these types of different paranormal occurrences. Yeah. Um, actually, they coined a term which I thought was really kind of cool in the documentary. It, it's kind of a Disneyland of the of the paranormal. I think George Knapp coined yeah. that term. So it's it's you know, it's like an amusement park, and I don't know how amusing it is, but of of all these different all this stuff going on, you know, and um, it sounds, I mean, people have yeah. seen big Bigfoot there. It sounds terrifying. People have seen everything within the realm of the paranormal that you can think of. Somebody has seen it there. A lot of people, and a thing that right. one of the things that I I thought was amazing, and one of the things that they talk about this, and I don't want to kill the the movie for everybody. Yeah, one of the guy, one of the guys who's a big huge Star Wars fan and he took a photograph of something that is was was in the sky and he took the picture and it, he, he developed it and he blew it up and it looks like the Millennium Falcon and the thing is right. that it was like right. is something there tapping people's subconscious um, well that's a good point yeah and that's what nobody really knows for sure what it is you know why it is what, you know what, what in the heck is going on here you know people see orbs of all different kinds yeah. They, they see they've seen um and we talked about this on the previous show where there's it's almost like somebody sees a, an orange orb and it's it's an opening into it you can kind of see into it yeah and you can sort of see like another whole sky and stuff you're looking so into like, another like it's par- like an opening yeah. into another dimension or you're looking uh, into a parallel earth yeah whatever so that's kind of weird you know now that's this is not the only place i've heard other people talk about other places in the south southwest seems to be there seems to be a lot of those kinds of places where where there seems to be openings into another dimension, some kind of a portal. 
Um, and the, the Native Americans are, are very aware of this this phenomenon. Yeah. Um, and have been for a very long time. They don't talk about it very much because I think they don't want to um, sort of you know have that <laughs> have that connected to them in any way like we talked about. But so you know that people have seen these very huge black creatures come yeah. out of this yeah. portal and kind of scale their way up the mountain and just all kinds of like crazy stuff like that. You know that's going on here and. Um, that's you know that's essentially what what this documentary is doing. It's talking about this and and uh, really I, I thought did a good job of chronicling the human side of some of these things. Um, particularly with the Native American people that they, yeah. that they interviewed. Those those really hit home to me because it was an actual human being that had encountered this whatever it was. And um, you know that that's to me what really gave it a lot of power. And Just I, you know I, I thought he did a good job of chronicling um, some of these events that have, that have happened. And to me, documentaries are a lot of times, or they, after about the first third or something, you start to, you know, you start to yawn a little you bit. Start and to it's just like off, somebody yeah. recounting things over and over and over again, all this information. But he kept it real. He kept it, he kept the tension in it he, with the music and the lighting and the, you know, the interviews with people. So, you know, it was, it's really creepy. It's really pretty creepy. I thought anyway. That's the one thing about this documentary that I thought was wonderful, terrific, is that if you've done a lot of reading on the topic of the Skinwalker Ranch, you get to see the faces of a lot of people that you've already read about. You get to see these people who have told these stories, and you'll be watching the documentary, and it says, oh yeah, I remember reading her story in Ryan Skinner's book, and I remember hearing his story that was, you know, featured in in, in some other place. It's just a, it's it's a it's a compendium compendium, if you will, of well, it's essentially it's George Knapp's book brought to life. It really put, is put, put put on the screen. You know, it's um, the, it's the video companion to the book about the the hunt for the Skinwalker. Um, I what I think that would have helped the documentary, and I think it's important. And it's important to say this right now. This is not the only documentary that this documentary filmmaker is going to do. He's going to be he's going to be doing other documentaries on the Skinwalker Ranch. This is I think ob- this, op- this opened the door. I think it, to, pretty uh, much to more, and, and they say that. They say yeah, that it's just um, this is kind of just the tip of the iceberg. I think. You know? But the thing is, is that it, he kind of also repeated things that we had said in our in this podcast in this in this series of shows that we've done, whereas we we talked earlier this year or late last year about the Pentagon having, what, $22 million that were given as a grant to somebody I think it was Bigelow to investigate what's going on at the Skinwalker Ranch in this part of Utah. And the thing is, is that there are there are things that look like a, a supernatural threat, a real, true, genuine supernatural threat. People are looking at them and saying, is this a threat to the United States? Is this a threat to modern civilization? We need to actually look at that. Here's the money. Here's the black budget. One of the things we've also said in a previous episode is that that just like in Raiders of the Lost Ark, where you see that sh- that huge warehouse with all these other supernatural things that have been boxed up, you know, yeah, that's just in a Steven Spielberg movie. That's a ha-ha thing that Philip Kaufman and, and George Lucas were able to sneak into the script. But the thing is, is that the Pentagon has admitted they have warehouses like that. Now, maybe not huge, vast um, <clears throat> warehouses that go off into infinity like, like that one, but they have warehouses 
warehouses all over the country with strange artifacts that nobody can explain. And it was like they have scientists, people with PhDs, legitimate scientists who have graduated from all kinds, real colleges like Harvard, Yale, Princeton, other colleges going, looking at these artifacts and trying to explain what are these things. Um, and it was like the fact that the government takes this seriously. And it was like... Well, that's, that's, the, that's one of the big takeaways for me from this is that, you know, as we talked about in the show that we did on um, remote viewing. Yeah, last week's episode. What, what um, why is the government so interested in this? What, <laughs> if this is such a crazy thing, crazy phenomenon, why is the government interested in exploring it? Which I think is what, um, what Bigelow was doing. You know, yeah. Big, Robert Bigelow, as we've mentioned before, he had a team of, of scientists there. Yeah. And, um, you know, they were studying. They were there for, I think, like a year and a half or something. They were, they, they were doing some really intensive scientific study. So it wasn't just, um, you know, a bunch of ghost hunters or, or people that are kind of on the fringe of things. These, these guys were legitimate PhD scientists that were, were studying this, yeah. this place. So there's something there that they thought um, was worthy of putting money in. And, and I think the government funding might have gone through Bigelow or something, but – um, yeah. They didn't actually say that in the in the documentary per se, but you know he had a team of scientists that were very legitimate and yeah. there a lot almost all the time, almost twenty four seven. You know, I guess in 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 uh, shifts or whatever. Right. But, uh, you know, and they the, the the thing is they really did not uncover anything scientific that could be that you could hang your hat on. Um, but but he one of the scientists actually said that he thinks that's because they're you know you have a consciousness at work here. Yeah. That's con that's avoiding that you know consciously avoiding that kind of thing. So it can't be studied in that sense in that way. Maybe it just is aware of that. You know, it has it has an awareness. It's a consciousness of some kind, which to me is the most really I think maybe the most intriguing part of it. That there's another whole layer of, of whatever this is that is above and beyond what we can see, you know, and it's 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 out of the ordinary. It's it's either coming through from another dimension or it's a connection to some other realm or something, you know. To me, that's the most intriguing part of the whole thing, and that came through very clearly in the documentary. I thought the fact that they're the government is taking this so seriously, and they're willing to put they're willing to put money into this, and and that. It's it, they're not even being secretive about it anymore. Here it is. This is what we're doing. Well, it's the same with the UFOs uh, information that just came out in December from the New York Times. The same thing. They were studying UFOs seriously, studying them. Yeah. Uh, and then had some very serious footage, which they actually show at the beginning of the documentary, which is really good. So yeah, you, you have to ask yourself what what's going on and why are they doing this? And, yeah. You know what's the what's the thinking behind this as to as to what you know why why they want to figure out why these things are happening what's going on and why don't we know more about it i guess is always the always the bottom line really for me anyway i think that it's um because doing my research for this show i had because and i and i watched quite a few other youtube um documentaries or videos on this short videos on it this i think this is the longest video that has any as anybody has made on the skinwalker ranch but there are others out there with a lot of people showing things that they have caught on camera and it was just like and you're doing this and and there's these other suggestions and they're saying that there are other areas throughout North America that have similar phenomenon going on and it begs the question to be asked are they also investigating these are they also investigating places like um, Essex New Hampshire where you know uh, Betty and Barney Hill 
were abducted. And there's apparently there have been other UFO sightings in that. As a matter of fact, there's an annual convention that um, we'd like to cover some at some future date. Is the government looking into all of these other areas that have these strange phenomenons? I think that that's a question. The thing is, is that is this leading towards disclosure? And what happens after disclosure? What are podcasters like us going to do after disclosure? Because that's, I mean, that's it. I mean, we talk about these things that are not getting covered by the mainstream media and are being covered up by the government. What would happen after disclosure? I think that that's that's interesting. That's, and that's a scary proposition. What's next? I mean, are, are we going to do a podcast called I Told You So? I mean, I don't know. But I, I, I don't know what to tell you because the thing is, is that it is. Um, and I, I don't I didn't know if I was going to talk about this in this episode, but there was a very strange phenomenon. And I, I, I know that this might be a little a little raw for you still, Walt. Um, while Carol and I were watching this, our dogs were freaking out. You know, our, our, our dogs were kind of like they didn't for the rest of the night. They could not settle down after watching this. Now, is it because I'm a little creeped out? They were creeped out. Or was there something on the TV or or something coming through the audio that was creeping them out? I, I, I don't know. Yeah, hard to say. Yeah, I, I think sometimes, um, like I said, the music is is very you know moody and, um, and maybe that had sometimes that gives off a vibe to animals. I think too, but who knows? I don't, yeah. I don't know. You know, there um, there's there was just all these kind of strange strange things going on there, high strangeness as it's referred to. Yeah, you know, like cattle mutilations. You know, we did a we did a whole show about that with Chuck Wachowski. Um, He's he's kind of really been studying that for a long time. I'm sure. I wonder if he's ever been to the Skinwalker Ranch. Oh, I would I would almost it's, think he has. Yeah, um, but just weird weird stuff, you know, weird crazy stuff. Um, this wolf appeared. This um, huge wolf. Yeah. That was um, described as similar to a wolf that had been extinct for. Yeah, there were sightings a mere, of a mere wolf. That yeah, was, had been extinct for ten thousand years. There was, so was a, a lot. Huge huge wolf. Nobody, nobody's ever seen a wolf that big. There was it just a lo- showed up one day. There was a lot of sightings mm. of of wolves and other creatures birds and stuff that were supposed to be extinct yeah. and it was so you have to think you know is this a portal to another <clears throat> another time or another dimension or, or whatever what's you know what's going on here um so i think for for the person that is <clears throat> new to the concept of the skinwalker ranch um this is a great way to get introduced to it to, to watch this documentary and it's it's really pretty creepy i mean it's it's really I, I came away with, and I don't get creeped out too easily because I'm, you know, I've seen probably every every horror movie that was ever made, and then I'm a horror writer. But uh, this this kind of creeped me out a little bit. I the idea say. that it creeped you out. This is a guy who has a collection of first edition Stephen <laughs> King books. <laughs> That's true. I do. Yeah. So you know, I I, I have to give it that um, that that kind of credibility for being something that is truly unnerving and disturbing. I think one of the things that they also said in the documentary, or they alluded this, is that things are so terrifying and things are so scary here. We really only dare film in broad daylight. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. Um, yeah, and it, it, it's sort of, you know, to me, it, it kind of makes me want to go there. <laughs> I know I know that might be dicey, but... You just said that the documentary <clears throat> scared the hell out of you, and now you're saying you want to go on an airplane and go i do i i like to be scared i I, I, if i didn't like to be scared i wouldn't (laughs) wouldn't watch horror movies and read stephen king you wouldn't be doing this and people like that i mean it's to me it's like it's it's some kind of odd enjoyment from being scared i I don't know 
what that is. It's like, it, it's it's almost like it's primal, you know, like you, um, yeah. <clears throat> you, you sit around a campfire and you kind of wonder what's what's in the dark. You know, the campfire is nice and warm and bright, but just out of the reach of the campfire, you wonder what's what's in the shadows there. And, and that's kind of where this fits in for me. You know, it's like, <clears throat> what's going on there? What, well, what's what's happening there? It's, this it's, is, a, yeah. it's just a it's a smorgasbord of <laughs> paranormal stuff. You know, well, this is a it's topic. Got, it's got everything. This and, is and, something that and one of the things that Knapp said, which I think is a really good point, is this this in some way this this shows you that all of these things that we talk about. I mean, we meaning you and I and everybody that's kind of in the paranormal paranormal metaphysical field. We talk about these things sort of in a disjointed way. You know, we talk about UFOs, and we talk about Bigfoot, and then we talk about ghosts. But maybe they're really on some level, they're really all connected in some sense. Maybe it's really all one just grouping of things that are connected by golden strands of some kind that <clears throat> we're just not aware of. And maybe that's what this place is, you know. So, I don't know. Uh, the thing that I find very intriguing is that while I've been driving for Lyft part-time, mm-hmm. And I talk to people. People ask me what it is that I do. And I tell them I do this podcast. And one of the things that I have discovered is that there are people who are paranormal tourists, of all things. And and I've had three or four riders or groups of riders who are, they're here to study paranormal activity that occurs in Boston. And and it was just like, they asked me, where's the the strangest place to go? Where are the creepiest places to go? And I I give them a couple of, go to Faneuil Hall, go to the the building it used to be city hall um and the graveyard right next to that go to there after dark after after 2 a.m and get back to me and the mm-hmm. thing is is that there are there's there's a huge a large part of us who like to conquer our fear we like to see you know we want to confront the things that scare us the most and and deal with them and say i went and i saw and i endured and i survived uh, um Boston after midnight, just off the top of the head. Um, get one of those. Get one of those T-shirts here that says I, "I survived Boston after midnight." Yeah, and it was a lot of a, a, a lot. And you hear, and you take time to listen to people's thoughts. And it seems like everybody has a thought or idea or an experience that they want to share. And it was like, you would, if we had the money, Walt, we would probably go to the Skinwalker Ranch and do investigations on our own. But the question is, would we bring anything back with us besides audio and visual files? Would well, and the actuality of it is that um, Bigelow sold the place in 2016. Um, and, you know, he stopped all of he, he stopped putting any kind of resources in there. And uh, some other guy bought it. Um, and and the, so the research is continuing but you, you can't just get on you know you just can't walk on there you have to I don't, I don't know how it works but you, you know you have to get some approval or something to, to even go on the place so yeah so it's it's, it's pretty interesting um, it's it's something more than just a bunch of crazy stuff going on there's there's something else there which I think is probably why the government wanted to, to look into it would be interesting to see what you know if they had any I mean you know if they put say 22 million dollars into something which which is the number I think that was came out in the documentary don't do you think that somebody would have to be accountable for that and, and come up with some kind of 
conclusions or something that um, would justify where that money went and what happened. And I don't know, maybe that stuff's all just top secret or something never comes out. I don't know. But it's, I'd like to know what, what they think anyway. You know, it, it is, after all, taxpayer money. So I don't know. Same thing. We always, the same conclusion. We always, that's where we always end up is, why don't we know about this? But, it never seems to get out into the public. So that's one of the reasons why I think this documentary is so good. It really opens up that door for people to say, you know, what's going on here? What what, what kind of portal does this open for us? You know, what what is this an insight into? And, and what are we... What's being kept from us, I guess, in some sense. That's I also, where we usually get to. I also think that there's an aspect of the Skinwalker Ranch that is kind of like a Rorschach inkblot test. They, they use that analogy, yeah. Because the thing is, is that the thing that scares you the most will show up at the Skinwalker Ranch. If you're a cattle rancher and you choose to do your ranching at this place, something awful, the, the worst possible things that you can imagine will happen at the Skinwalker Ranch to your cattle. If you're afraid of ghosts, Ghosts, you'll see ghosts. If if you're creeped out by Bigfoot, you'll see Bigfoot or something else. And it's like, if you're a single back bachelor and and you're afraid of commitment, you'll walk out of that place married. I, I mean, I, I'm and I'm joking. I'm 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 making a joke out of something very serious. But there's something about there that knows who and what you are, and it knows well, what scares the, you. That's one of the big takeaways. Yeah, is that it's a consciousness. It's it's an intelligence. And what level is it operating on? What, you know, is it is it electrical? Is it um, you know, is it operating out of what we talked about on the on the previous show? Um, uh, you know, about some kind of an unseen field, yeah, uh, morpho morphogenetic field that that it's coming from, that it's accessing, that it's using to connect to to this realm. You know, nobody seems to really have an explanation for it. And and that's the interesting part to me is and I, I don't have any problem believing any of these phenomenon go on. But what what's the basis of it? What, you know, why is it happening? What, you know, why why is this consciousness doing this? What you know, what, is it just doing it to, to sort of get energy or whatever? You know, how how does it operate? That that's intriguing to me. I'm gonna make a prediction here that this is not going to be the last show that we do on the Skinwalker Ranch. Oh, I don't think so. I think I that think the so. one one thing that I'd like to do to wrap the show up and say is ask our listeners if you have any um, experience with the Skinwalker Ranch or if you know somebody who do who does drop us a line and let's read your stories on the air um, during a recording. We, I've also reached out to um, the director of this documentary. I'm going to get his name. I want to make sure I get this. Uh, Jeremy Corbel. I've reached out to him on Twitter and um, I think that. Uh, He's probably a pretty busy guy right now with with us just being. In fact, he was on um, he was on coast to coast uh, the night this came out. Yeah, on the um, on the eleventh September eleventh eleventh. I don't think that's a coincidence. By right. the way, that that was the scheduled date. But um, he he said something very interesting, which was not in the documentary. I don't know whether it was this was kind of off the record or what. And he didn't mention the, the name. But as we said, the, um, the the surrounding area is is tribal. A lot of it yeah. is tribal land, and they have their own police force and they have their own set of laws and everything so he was talking to a to a um, policeman a tribal policeman and they were asking him what they were doing and you know that kind of stuff they were interested and and he told them and the guy said so you're you're hunting the skinwalker <laughs> <laughs> and and jeremy corbell said yeah that's that's what we're doing with the documentary and he 
he said, I've got news for you. The skinwalker's hunting you. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty interesting. So that's their viewpoint on it. So they understand it. They, On some level, they understand what's going on there. They may not share it because I've found in, you know, I've I've developed a lot of friendships with, with Native American elders and things over the yeah. years. Yeah, yeah. From, stu- from studying um, their philosophy, and they're very they're very close-lipped about a lot of stuff. They have to really trust you in order to, to let any of these things out. So, you know, and that takes a while. It's it's a series of stages where you develop that trust by, by showing your true character to them. Right. Because um, they really study people. And, you know, so they don't let those kinds of things out easily. So I think that was a pretty... Um, a warning to to Jeremy Corbell to watch your step, watch what watch what you're doing with this. You know, they they don't take it lightly. It's not fun and games to them. No, it's so not. I thought that was kind of interesting. No, it's not. So I think that that's where we want to leave this episode. Where it's like, if yeah, you- I, I think I, I would encourage our listeners to to check this out, and um, you know, it it opens your it will open your eyes if if you don't have any knowledge of Skinwalker Ranch, it will definitely open your eyes to to some high strangeness that that's going on there. And uh, for the people who haven't listened to our sh- previous show, go back and listen to that, and you get I think a lot of good a, a very good overview of of the Skinwalker Ranch. But unfortunately, nobody really has a clear understanding of what really is the reality of what's going on there and that's yet to be determined i guess and and perhaps um this filmmaker will that'll be um, a future project for him i kind of think it will i think this is kind of part one that was kind of the feeling i got there was definitely at the end of the episode that this is this is just the beginning we're going to be you know jeremy corbel sort of had said yeah yeah this is this is the beginning this is the beginning of of more of our participation in all of this and the thing is and here's another thing uh george knapp has and he said i think he has more than 30 hours of video that he wants yeah, to share yeah. and he wasn't able to share with it because it was taken on, on the property when Bigelow owned it and he didn't have really sort of the rights to share it there's a lot of things uh, he alluded to that he can't really go into detail about yeah um, for whatever reason there must be I don't know whether he signed some non-disclosure things or something, but there, you know, he he would get to a point, and then he would kind of pull himself back and say, oh, "I can't really, yeah. I can't go any further with that." So, um, I'd like to hear that stuff come out too. Yeah. Know, so. So my advice is check it out. Yeah. It's, we're, it's actually, a nice piece of work. It's a nice piece of work. Absolutely. Just go to metaphysicalpodcast.com. Click on episode 91. You put a trailer on there? I actually, um, I and, and as a matter of fact, is part of, see, and Walt comes up with these ideas for um, um, bumper music for, from uh, our first segment to our second segment. But this we already have, by the way. Oh, you have. Uh, what, what we're also going to do is we're going to have have the audio from the trailer embedded into this podcast so you can at least hear what's going on and um and we'll also have links to where you can get it on amazon cool. um and but the That's thing where is i got it i got it on amazon watch this document there's also um if you get it through itunes i think you can get additional footage yeah that wasn't shown which i didn't get with my amazon yeah. purchase but um i would like to see that though that i and I, I didn't I, make it in and i did reach out to jeremy and i did ask for those of us who bought it on amazon how can we see the additional footage and hopefully oh, yeah other people said that too i saw that yeah so yeah go, you know for our listeners go go check it out i don't think you'll be sorry it's 
it's a, it's a cool piece of work in my in my estimation. Um, before we before we leave, I just want to mention that we have quite a uh, future array of guests coming coming our way. Um, I've I've been been pretty busy contacting authors, and we we have some people scheduled in end of September and October, and also in November, that I think are going to be very very interesting for our listeners to, to check out. I won't and, go too far into the details of it. But, and coincidentally, uh, Walt, Maureen Wood, um, mm-hmm. one of the, um, she used to work with my wife, Carol. Get out. I will. <laughs> really? As a matter That's of fact, crazy. as a That's matter a of fact, synchronicity. when she released one of her first books, she and I talked about it. And, uh, and I think she said something to the extent of, if you ever have a podcast on the paranormal, I'll be sure to come on. So <laughs> oh, cool. I wonder if she made that connection. I, she, yeah, I've been, I've been dealing with her, so she may not have made that. Yeah. Made that connection. I, I referenced you, I think, uh, as being my partner, but yeah. you're not the only Eric in the world. No. Not that you're not a unique Eric. You yeah. are definitely a unique Eric. Yeah. Uh, she's got a she's got a um she's got a juicing business too or something yeah. that she does, which is kinda interesting. Maybe she, we can work that into the Absolutely. So I would like to start moving in the direction of talking about some some healthy alternative um, things that people can as part of our whole scheme. You, know? you and I have so much to talk about, we might have to go back to doing the show once a week. Well, we, we are getting a lot of guests scheduled, so yeah. um, which is great, you know. The, and and, I, and and these authors are big time. Well, I mean, these are not these are not lightweights. No, they, these are people that have twenty books under their belt. So, you know, these these people know what they're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. So we're very fortunate to, to get these people. Yeah, uh, very interesting and varied topics. You know, all falling under the realm of the metaphysical and the paranormal, but but cool stuff. So yeah, I think our listeners are going to be excited. I know I am. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Walt, another great, awesome show. Um, I cannot wait to get the feedback from our listeners, see what they have to say about uh, this documentary. And after you see the documentary, go read the book. Go read the original book, uh, Hunt for Skinwalker Ranch. And also go out and read uh, Ryan Skinner's book on the same topic and, and read, you know, compare, the, compare and contrast the two and see what they have to say. But I definitely think that uh, it's a, it's an eye-opener. Hey, listen, your government ha- cares enough about the topic of the Skinwalker Ranch to sink some money into investigating it. I think you should, too, if you think that you are somebody who is passionate about the to- all things supernatural and paranormal. Look into it. It, it. it opens up a new level of insight into things, I think, in, in a lot of senses. But. Yeah. Um, anyway, just remember, you can't hunt the skinwalker. The skinwalker hunts you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Walt. A nice piece of advice. Yeah. Now nobody will be able to get any sleep, you know. <laughs> okay. I'm okay with that. <laughs> this has been the Metaphysical Connection podcast from the Fedora Chronicles Network. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast via iTunes, Google Play, or Player FM. You can find our podcast via your Apple, Android, or Windows devices using those services and more. If your favorite podcast service or program doesn't feature us, let us know by shooting us an email via info at thefedorachronicles.com. That's also a great way to get in touch with Walt, Jim, and Eric, and let us know what you think of the podcast, as well as topic suggestions for a future show. If we use your suggestion, we'll send you a t-shirt or coffee mug. Just send along your size and preference with your email. 
You can be a part of the metaphysical connection between shows by joining us on our social media accounts. You can find us on Facebook by going to our metaphysical connection group and following us on Twitter at physics laxative. Most importantly, you can support the show by hitting the Patreon button on all of our show pages, metaphysicalpodcast.com. Patreons of the show get specials such as getting the podcast a day before the rest of the audience, heads up about future episodes, and other exclusives. Want some Metaphysical Connection swag of your own? Get your own damn Metaphysical Connection coffee mugs, t-shirts, keychains, and barbecue aprons at our Zazzle page. My house is full of them, yours should be too. Find them at www.zazzle.com slash Fedora Chronicles. Don't forget to check out our show sponsor, the Trinity Whip Company. Traditionally made kangaroo whips, top quality craftsmanship, and form as well as function. Handcrafted by Blake Brunning. Find his products at www.trinitywhipco.com. So for Walt, Jim, and Eric, this is Carol Fisk thanking you for listening and signing off. Until next time, keep your chin up and your bra, excuse me, fedora on. global public is not ready to have global confirmation of this. A lot of disturbing things will occur. It, it's just too powerful. Skinwalker Ranch. This is like the Area 51 of the paranormal. It was not a single phenomenon. There were a host of things that happened. Have there been experiences there that have shaken the Pentagon and CIA and other agencies? Absolutely. Nobody knows what we're dealing with. That's the bottom line. Nobody knows. This is 30 or 40 hours of material that the public has never seen before. They saw this humanoid creature crawling through this tunnel, hovering four feet above the ground. Something forced four 2,000-pound bulls to cram themselves into this trailer without opening this door. It's completely impossible. I've seen things that I can't explain. This was one of the most surprising things that we recorded right after I purchased the ranch. Is it real? Oh, yes, I believe it is. Something is here. These are real, tangible, physical events. This is game-changing. It's one thing to be reading about UFOs or other realities or interdimensionals. It's another thing to be staring at it right in the face. Oh, God.